Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. I hear the whispers in my thoughts. They echo in my mind. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me today. I'm always very thankful for listeners and the ability to just kind of connect with you on, and I'm thankful that we get to do this daily. You know, we do Monday through Friday, now three o'clock, and that is very exciting to me, and we are doing the last, you know, show of this entire week, and if you've been with me the entire week, you've kind of heard the whole progression of it, and we had Monday and Tuesday with uh, Leslie Martin, and she really gave us some great send-offs and was really excited about the direction that this hour is going. So you might want to check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, because I am, if you're just tuning in today, your new 3 o'clock host from 3 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. And this show is, is a pretty eclectic show. It is really focused, though, on personal growth and development and really being who God has created you to be, designed you to be, and called you to be so that you can walk out that calling in a way that edifies the world, blesses God, because he's very, very glad that he created you. And you did not just appear just like magic on the earth. You are not happenstance. You're here for a reason. And so the last three days, we've been talking about this um, kind of concept or theory that I have when I work with clients. I've been a clinical psychotherapist for 28 years now in private practice here in Phoenix and in Scottsdale. And one of the things that God really laid on my heart was this idea of being your own best version. And what does that really mean? If I'm the best version of me, then it means I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm not trying to be a counterfeit. I'm not trying to be what you want me to be or what the world is molding or trying to shape me to be. I'm really being who God designed me to be, which means when you are being your own best version and you are acting in a way that God has called you to interact with his world, you are, you are making an imprint, a fingerprint, a footprint that cannot be replicated because it's truly unique. And so these, these three core values or issues or edicts that we really need to look at that make up being your own best version, we address those, the, the first two. And this was the first one is you're alive for a reason. And God created you with a purpose, weaving it into your very creation, weaving it into your soul. That's why when you are in alignment with who God has called you to be, you have peace. And you have lots of energy and there's excitement to do the day. It doesn't mean there isn't hardship because this, this world is a very, very difficult place to live. But there is an energy, a Holy Spirit inspired energy that comes from being who God has called you to be. The second one is this idea that you can affect change in yourself and the world around you. See, you can change. Now, we don't want to change 
your core being. We don't want to cause you to be somebody you're not. But the change that occurs as God does that refining process, that he is completing that good work that he started in us. That's that Philippians 1, 6. I love that verse that says he will complete the good work that he began in you according to Christ Jesus until until the end of, of our age. So that means until the day I die, God is always completing the good work that he started in me and he's refining it. And so I can change. Don't let the enemy tell you that you can't change because it's a lie. And, and he does this to discourage us. And he does this to cause us to, to, to want to quit and to give up and to think that there's something horribly, terribly wrong with us. Where God is saying, no, you're fallen. I, re- I already knew that. God signed up for this. He saw the fall happen. He was there when Adam and Eve made that fateful choice. And he has not left us, nor will he ever abandon us. He is not ashamed of us. He's not angry with us. He hates much of what we do. That is, that is true. But it doesn't mean he hates us. He knows how difficult it is down here. Jesus lived here. He knows what it feels like. And so don't let the enemy, friends, family, society tell you that you cannot change. Because what happens when you begin to change those things that are truly not a part of you, that are not your destiny, that are not how God designed you to be, that are kind of add-ons from being in this world or reactions or, or maladaptive, what we call in the therapy world, maladaptive coping skills. They're things that I have created in order to cope with a really difficult situation or a difficult person. So when I begin to change that, I have a huge effect on the world around me. And it is positive. So the third one, and this is the one that we're going to really focus on today. This is the last one. And that is pain is inevitable. And the effective management of it is imperative if you want to be who you were originally created to be. Pain is inevitable. And one of the things that that the enemy, if he can't lie to us in in one way, he lies to us in another way. And one of the, the lies that he loves to tell us is, you shouldn't have any pain. That there are other people here in the United States that have lives that are pain-free, that their lives are working really great. And I want you to know, you would be amazed at the people that you may be looking at, thinking that their life is working perfectly, and finding out they're in my office on a weekly basis. Pain is in everyone's life. It doesn't make any difference what things are surrounding a person. The money, the prestige, the appearance, the looks, the fame, the the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the children, the cars, the money, whatever it may be, the education. Everyone has a life they have to walk out that is very difficult because God is trying to change us from the inside out. He's trying to remove that sin that so easily besets us, that, that, that contaminates our soul and our spirit. And it causes us to act in ways that are not befitting of a Christian. And so God is constantly redoing, remaking, undoing what the world is doing to us and what our flesh is doing. So that our spirit, our spirit is the part of us 
that is the reflection of God. And so that's how we combat that fallenness within us. But recognize that not only are humans fallen, but the world has fallen. All of the creation fell with Adam and Eve. And so we see such evidence of that. So it's imperative that you recognize that the acceptance that pain is inevitable will remarkably change your outlook on life. Because instead of looking at all the things that aren't working, you're going to begin to look at the things that are working. And you're going to recognize that that's God's grace. That the fact that Satan is the ruler of this world, and we forget this, we forget that Satan rules this world until God comes back and takes over. So he is the king. And he's the one that has a ton of power. That does not mean that God is powerless because God lives within us and God owns the universe and God has a plan. But we need to recognize that there's a fallenness outside of us, a fallenness inside of us. And God is undoing that in his people if they are willing to go through that transforming and renewing process. So in the midst of that, one of the things that is the hallmarks of a healthy person is accepting the things that they cannot change and changing the things that they can. So I don't try to change the fact that the world is very painful and that the world is a harsh place. And I don't have unrealist, unrealistic expectations on this world. I realize it's, it's struggling. It's fallen. It's a painful place to live. But that doesn't mean I have to give in to all of that pain and create behaviors in my life to compensate for pain that actually usher in more pain. And what would those things be? Those would be what we call self-medicating behaviors. Anything that is trying to assuage the pain that does not make the pain better, but just medicates it. So the pain doesn't go away, which means I don't learn from it. I don't grow from it. I just survive it. And we all know that survival is not very pretty. So we are wanting to move from surviving to thriving. One of the ways we do that is we accept the things we can't change. And so we recognize the pain is inevitable. And when we are managing it appropriately, it is not going to harm us or change us or cause us to be someone that God has not called us to be. When we manage, a pain, when we manage pain effectively, my character doesn't change. If I don't manage pain effectively, I begin to cross my own moral code. I begin to do things that I know aren't right, but I'm so weary, I'm so hurt, I'm so overwhelmed, I'm so discouraged, I'm so tired, that sometimes I just don't care. And we all can relate to this. So we want to understand that our internal world is filled with wonderful qualities, as well as past hurts, failures, and weaknesses. And many times those weaknesses have brought us pain or anguish, embarrassment, or regret. But if you are a truly unique, occurring only one time individual, that means the only time you occur is once. There is no replicating of you then you want to understand that your strengths, talents, and destiny is unique and occurs only one time. Just as your weaknesses and failures and missed opportunities are unique. So my philosophy 
is somewhat different in that I believe the whole person must be managed. All of us. The entire part, the entire person has to be managed. I can't just do one part. I can't just do my intellect. I can't just manage my own physical nature. I can't just manage my money and expect that to make all of my life work. So I have to manage both strengths and both weaknesses. Both the strengths and the weaknesses must have time spent on them in order to be well-balanced, in order to be congruent. See, the more you understand and accept and work on your weaknesses, the more you accept vulnerabilities, the better able you are to mitigate the effect they have on your strengths. So the more you get to know me, the more you'll hear some of the stories repeated. But for many listeners that know me well, clients, people that I've worked with and consulted with, they know that I struggle with ADHD. So this can be certainly a weakness because ADHD can be kind of problematic. It means I'm not always great with details. I don't manage time well. It means I overcommit. It means I get hyper-focused. It means I talk really fast. So if I don't manage that, it's going to take away from the talents that God has given me from the calling that God has given me. God's not removing that quality because there are some strengths to that quality, certainly. But if I don't manage it well, that quality can hurt people. It can disappoint them. It can let them down. And it can complicate my life and create a lot of chaos for my life. So I have found that if I spend enough time on my strengths and on my weaknesses, I'm going to be a much more well-balanced person. Because I've found that individuals who are not afraid or ashamed of their weaknesses are far more effective, far more authentic, far less mistake-making than those who are afraid of their weaknesses or ashamed of their weaknesses. People that are afraid and ashamed of their weaknesses have a tendency to overcompensate with strengths. So they focus a lot on the strengths and they hope the weaknesses go away or people don't see them. But the weaknesses have a way of seeping out. And so some of our weaknesses can be incredibly life-giving and adding pleasure and happiness to our lives and often endearing us to those that love us. And so strengths and weaknesses need to be managed in order to be the best version of me. So what we find very quickly in life is the absence of pain is not possible when we are living in an imperfect world with imperfect people. So the goal is not alleviating all the pain, but the acceptance and the management of pain, and then acknowledging and embracing the growth that comes from dealing with it. Any of you that are listening that are athletes, and I mean athletes, like you can be intellectual athletes, like mathletes, right? You know there is pain and striving in overcoming things in you that get in the way of your success. And you know the amazing, wonderful experience when you overcome. But overcoming is effort, and sometimes we get tired. And so the goal is not the alleviation of pain, it's the management of it. And it's recognizing what pain I don't have to accept and what pain I must accept. So that I get over myself, basically, right? So I have this little axiom that, that I created, and it says, I can either have pain in vain or pain for gain. 
but I can never have no pain. So think about that. I can either have pain for gain. So I gain something from the pain. Or I can have pain in vain, which means I've just endured it. I've gotten through it, but I learned nothing from it. And I am weaker because of it. That's pain in vain. So I can have pain for gain, pain in vain. Those are choices. But I don't have a choice of whether or not there is pain. So in fact, avoiding pain only brings more of it. Because first of all, it causes me to be a weaker person. The more I avoid, the weaker I become. Which means things hurt me more. And it causes me to live as a victim to my own circumstances. Maybe you know people that are a victim to their own life. All the choices they make keep making their life worse. So they become a victim to themselves. We also oftentimes have to experience being a victim of another person. There are things that people have done to me that I never asked for and never deserved. And it was victimizing. But it doesn't mean I became a victim. It means I accepted the event as it was. Doesn't mean I like it, approved of it, enjoyed it, any of those things. But I did accept the fact that it happened. And now I have to figure out what am I going to do? What am I going to do about that? I need to take responsibility for my own life. What happens to me? It's similar to getting in a car accident. So let's say you were of no fault at all. The person crashed into you, ruined your car. So you can stay being a victim to that crash and never fix your car. Or you can get over the fact that the crash happened and thank God you had car insurance. What a brilliant thing you did to take care of yourself in a world of mistake-making people. And you're able to fix it, not without difficulty, not without frustration, not without exasperation. But you were able to get to the other side and be okay. And that's the goal of healthy adults. So I must allow pain to become wisdom and maturity versus cynicism, bitterness, jading, or skepticism. And I mean unhealthy skepticism. Because when we become cynical and bitter people, when we become jaded to the world, we become harder, more unbending, and brittle. And you go into the world like that and you will be broken. See, this world requires a lot of flexibility. So I have to be able to flex and change and rebound. So if I allow the pain that comes into my life to make me a deeper person, a more authentic person, a person with wisdom and maturity, then whatever pain comes my way ultimately will benefit me, even if it's painful and difficult, upsetting, hurtful, heartbreaking, unfair. But if I'm an adult, I can have those initial feelings, let myself have, have a momentary pity party, and then I need to move on. I need to get up, get over it, and get on with it. Now, this is painful, especially when it's a huge tragedy. And I have had in my life some very big tragedies. So the concepts I'm telling you are the same. The level of effort and difficulty are different. So if I have a minor mishap or a minor difficulty, or if I have someone that spoke against me or slandered me, that's very painful. It's very hurtful. I take it personally, and I have to work on depersonalizing it. 
But what happens when I have to face the fact that one of my loved ones has died a tragic death? Never had to happen that way, and it did. Never had to happen the way that it happened, and it did. I have to accept that that is what it is. How do I overcome so that I am a person that has greater love, greater patience, greater maturity, and has greater forgiveness? And that's a feat. Sometimes getting over these horrible, horrible situations and instances that we have been victimized in, sometimes we we can do it in a month. Sometimes it takes us a couple of years. But the diligence of working toward the goal of getting to the other side is what pleases God. And he will help you and walk with you every single step of that path. And he will never leave you in that process. And so I, I frequently remind myself this insight God gave me. He said, if there's anything good in a person, pain will find it out. It's such a deep, poignant statement, and it is so true. If there is anything good in you, pain finds it out. The overcomers of the world, the forgivers of the world, the people that have a broader perspective, a deeper understanding of Christ's life and what his mission was and what he went through, are people that have endured great pain and did not lose their heart. They stayed good. And they even uncovered greater depth in them, greater compassion, greater empathy, greater understanding, and greater patience for the human condition. So overcoming of adversity and finding out that you have more substance in you than you ever thought is one of the greatest gifts that pain offers you. I don't want you to shrug away from pain. You are a valuable person. You are more than you ever thought you were, or you are more than you ever thought you could be. That's how God sees you. He sees the divine nature in you that he created. He sees the amazing individual that he created. Now, this is not me just pumping you up. This is just fact. This is truth. This is what the Bible says. He says, I knew you before you were formed. I created you in your mother's womb. How beautifully, wonderfully made you are. So understanding and implementing these three basic core truths, okay, this enables me to continue focusing on myself as to how to be my own best version so I get out of the way of myself, so that any attention that I get is positive in that it's helping others. It isn't about me. I work in all these arenas of my life, every life stage and every season. If I'm being the best version of me, all the arenas of my life that are working and the relationships I have are salient, are deep, are helpful. So we are out of time for today. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can listen to all the podcasts. I also have a Sunday show, 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock every Sunday with similar content and ways of looking at, at life and how to live life well. So I pray you have a blessed weekend. I love your feedback. Make sure you check out all the social media. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those different areas, LinkedIn. 
and have a blessed weekend. I will talk to you next, next week about being an adult. Oh, that's fun, isn't it? Have a great week. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah,